This episode of Hello PhD is sponsored by Promega and listeners like you. Thanks for your support. Well, Dan, we've made this podcast juicy quite a bit. A ton. Dan, could you imagine camping with your PI for a week? No. <laughs> Did I answer too fast? Welcome to Hello PhD podcast for scientists and the people who love them. This week, we reflect on the best and worst parts of 2020. Stay with us. And we're back. This is Hello PhD, episode 147. I'm Joshua Hall. I'm Daniel Arneman. And we'll discuss the human side of science and life in the lab. Hey there, Dan. How is your holiday going? So far, so good. It is nice to, it's hard to say it's nice to take a break because I haven't left my house in four or five months, but it's still nice to take the time off of work and to have an irregular schedule and play board games and video games and all the things we got for Christmas. So it's, it's definitely been good. How about you? You know, I was reflecting on the fact that the week between Christmas and New Year's might be my favorite time of the entire year. Every year, I always have this moment. Things are so busy leading up to the Christmas holiday. And in my line of work, I'm doing admissions. We have an admissions deadline the beginning of December. We're reviewing all these applications. So December is actually one of the busiest work months of my year. Um, So by the time we get to Christmas, I'm exhausted and I'm kind of ready for a break. The air runs out of the balloon. Well, Well, I always we'll do this. The day after Christmas, I'll kind of count on my fingers. And it's the same every year. I don't know why, but I'll count on my fingers how many days are left until New Year's Day. And I'm like, wow, I get like seven whole days with nothing to do. This is amazing. And it's one of those times where you lose track of what day of the week it is. I love that. Although I will say 2020 has taken a little bit of the excitement out of that being home all week (laughs) from what it normally is, but still a good week. It, ha- it has been an unusual one. And we're going to, this episode is a look back over 2020, sort of as a, I guess, a response to just what everybody has been through, but also to make sure that we learned the lessons we needed to learn. Um, I've been thinking today a little bit about some of the 2020 habits, the things that I didn't do last year that I do this year. One of which is I have in my back pocket right now, a cloth mask so that if a UPS driver drives up or if somebody knocks on my door or whatever, I can just pull it out and I have my mask ready, which is not something I would have thought about doing a year ago. You're very prepared. Uh, I am prepared. <laughs> the other habit that I have that is not relevant in 2020, I uh, we were getting ready for the podcast. I was digging through the podcast beer crisper bin in the refrigerator. I keep everything in a bin because... You know, the one at the bottom of the refrigerator where you put the carrots? Yep. I put podcast beer in there because if somebody comes over, you don't want them picking up the wrong beer. And I thought to myself, oh, yeah, that that's not a thing that matters anymore because nobody comes over to have a beer. So well, it's funny you say that, Dan, because I, I used to put my podcast beer and still do in the back of the fridge, kind of behind I the I know milk. the rules. When I'm at your house, I know the rules. Well, and, and my friends know the rules, too. And, and in the pre-COVID times... You know that I would regularly host board game nights at my house. I had several board game groups that would come over, and and we would regularly drink beer or offer something out of the fridge. 
But yes, they were trained to only drink beer from the door and not drink beer from the back because that was podcast beer. But you're right, that has been completely irrelevant over the last uh, 10 months. So Next year, put it in the crisper drawer. That's where it belongs. <laughs> uh, but, but luckily, Josh, it did survive. Nobody touched it, obviously. Today we have the Heretic Brewing Make America Juicy Again, New England-style India Pale Ale. And I just thought this was a great one to close the year with. Let's make America juicy again. Well, Dan, we've made this podcast juicy quite a bit as I was looking over a ton. <laughs> I was looking over the notes to see if we had actually already drank this beer because I think I bought this beer months ago. I remember dropping a can off with you and a lot of juicy pale ales, but not this particular juicy pale ale. Yeah, when you when you do the search in in the show notes, I think there were four or five references to juicy this year, uh, but not this one. So. Uh, what do you think, Josh? This is a, a New England-style India Pale Ale, which is not something... I, I think we've had them before, but I don't know what it means to be New England-style. Well, you know, Dan, I think New England-style IPAs are sort of our jam. I think this is probably... If we were out at a bar with dozens and dozens of taps and felt overwhelmed and the bartender said, what do you normally like? I think New England-style IPA is something we could comfortably say and probably get something we would enjoy. So a New England IPA uh, is a style of American IPA that tends to be very tropical and citrus fruit forward. So it's got a lot of hop aroma, and it's very heavily hopped, uh, which is where the hazy color comes from. But the New England IPAs tend to be known for a little bit of a smoother flavor and less of that in-your-face bitterness of a more typical IPA. And quite easy to drink and delicious any time of the year, in my opinion. Yeah, I, that's a that is a great uh, thing to take with me next time I can go out somewhere. If I look for a New England style IPA, I can expect the same sort of citrusy, fruity, hoppy, smooth flavor. There you go. And this one, of course, New England style IPA was brewed in Fairfield, California. Like like all the good <laughs> ones. <laughs> I'm not sure how we happened upon this one, but you probably saw the name on the can and thought it was funny, and that's where we are today. That is exactly what happened. Well, Dan, uh, I know we are thankful for lots of things this holiday season, but I'm also thankful for our friends at Promega. Whether you need help choosing the best assay to get answers that you're looking for, or you want help ensuring a perfect PCR every time, or maybe you just want to browse specially curated content to help with your graduate training. Check out the Promega Student Resource Center at promega.com slash hellophd. Excellent, Josh. Well, hopefully you are far enough into that juicy IPA. You are ready to think back on 2020 and learn something from it. So let's get into the show. You know, Dan, I was having a conversation with my with my kids over dinner just tonight, and my daughter was asking me how many days were left in 2020. And today, as we're recording this, now is December 29th, so I told her there are two more days until 2020 is over. And she said, oh, it's been such a long year. And I'm not sure. You know, on one hand, that's true, but, you know, time goes so fast, Dan. We passed a milestone of... of you know, over five years doing this podcast uh, this year, and that's gone so fast. It seems like just yesterday, 
it was springtime and we thought, okay, well, this is cute. We're staying home for a couple weeks and then life will go back to normal. I feel like in some ways, wow, this year, like any year, it's really gone by quickly. It's over. We're, we're facing the end of it now. I remember when I first had kids, somebody told me the, the phrase, and it's, it's true, the phrase, days are long, years are short. Is that a single day can feel like it just drags and drags and drags. And this is true if you have little babies and kids. Um, but then you blink your eye and the whole thing is over. And uh, so, so that applies for me now. I mean, it's, it's crazy to think it wasn't that long ago that I was rushing. You know, we were talking about there was no toilet paper in the store and I better stock up on canned beans and whatever. You know, the, the things that we were afraid of, the things that we expected and anticipated. And then slowly over time as they were unveiled and, and what we actually learned about the virus and about what steps we really needed to be taking. Josh, I don't know about you. I haven't wiped down a cereal box with a Lysol wipe recently, but I definitely did that. And, and there were YouTube videos about how you need to take home all your groceries and do that. Um, maybe that'd be helpful now. I don't know. But I feel like so much has changed from when we first learned about this year. You know, Dan, as scientists, I think something that we have all experienced, whether even if it's just in our own projects that we work on in the lab, I think we're familiar with this going into something new and really knowing nothing and then slowly piece by piece learning more and more about it um, until at the end of maybe a dissertation or a time in a lab, you're kind of an expert at this small topic. And in one, on one sense, Dan, we lived through that in real time in our real lives. You know, we lived through this, this pandemic where you're absolutely right. Back in March and in April, we knew so little about this infectious disease you know, I can remember too, Dan, going to the grocery store, being very aware of where my hands were at every, at every moment, you know, uh, thinking about, okay, well, I touched the cart, so I can't touch my cell phone until I get back in the car and wipe everything down. And, you know, I haven't been that, <laughs> you know, been that cautious about hand sanitizing and all that for months now, but I'm very cautious about wearing my mask, making sure people around me are wearing masks, staying distant from other people, because we've learned so much more about the transmission of this virus um, over the past few months. Yeah, and that that was one of our major themes. So, so I, I pulled out some themes for Hello PhD in 2020, and obviously the the first one is COVID. I mean, we talked about this regularly as it unfolded, as it affected students, as it impacted admissions. We kind of covered the the zeitgeist of what does it look like when your lab shuts down, um, and and how are students reacting to that? How are people freezing cells down? What were they having to throw away? What number of years of research of, uh, you know, we talked about fly lines, things that had to stop. They had to be put on hold because we didn't know what this virus would do. Uh, we talked about what to do about your dissertation defense, these, adapting to these new technologies. Some aspects of our training went on. And you had to find a way to adapt. And some people were more successful than others because they were able to adapt rapidly. And we tried to get that out. And then what it looked like to go back in the lab when things were still dangerous. This was uh, an open question for people who had to go back and, and reopen their research. And there's a pandemic raging. What do you do about that? I mean, these, these are all such important topics and, and deeply impacting the amount of work that got done this year in research labs. Yeah, and, and it really did impact 
different people in different ways. You know, we talked to grad students who were at the very beginning of their training, who were just trying to figure out their lab rotations and their dissertation lab, and that got completely disrupted. We talked to other grad students who were at the finish line. Um, actually, Dan, you know, one of our first episodes of the year was we had our friend uh, Susanna Harris on the show to help us out with listener mailbag. And at that time, this was in the pre-COVID 2020 days. February at some point, right? Yeah. And, and you know, she was here talking about getting ready to defend her dissertation. Uh, never, And we were all in the same room. <laughs> My head is exploding. Three people, people here in the studio it. together. It's unbelievable. But, you know, uh, Suzanne is a great example, but we talked to Ashton Merck in our episode 131. A lot of grad students ended up working, ended up defending their dissertations, not in front of a live audience with their families and friends there with them, but sitting in their pajama pants <laughs> in their in their bedroom or living room. And, you know, that had its own its own challenges faculty trying to learn how to manage a lab from a distance and how to train new people uh, remotely. Uh, lots, lots of challenges faced. But one thing that has really impressed me is that, you know, scientists and really humans in general are, are very resilient and creative. And just seeing the ways that all of these scientists have, have worked with what they had to really keep their work going and keep pursuing their passion, even with all these these obstacles that 2020 threw in front of them. Right. And and we talked a little bit in episode 134, Lessons from the Quarantine, about the value of, of this slowing down period. Josh, I know that this was important to you. The idea that there are things we learned uh, during this time that we needed to take with us that we carry forward. Do you remember what some of those were? Yeah, I sure do. I, I think that is my hope, Dan, is that we will take some, some of these challenges we faced we will take some lessons learned with us into the future. And and one of those is, I think what COVID has done, what the pandemic has done, is it was a forced pause in our pace of work. And I think there's some value to that. I mean, I, how much did we talk about on the show prior to this year about burnout and about work-life balance? I mean, really, there was a couple months there where science for all intents and purposes really shut down. And I think it allowed academics, it allowed scientists to reevaluate priorities and reevaluate what what was the what were the most important things. I think I hope that we don't return too quickly to that pace of work that we felt was needed uh, prior to this year. Um, I hope that we've learned to to balance work, but also just to take some time to think, to not feel like we have to just keep uh, plowing forward as quickly as possible, uh, but that we really can take the foot off the gas and really be thoughtful about the work that we're doing. And and to work in the places that suit the type of work we need to do. If you are in a place where you need to read papers and think about the focus of your research, you don't have to do that in a busy, crowded, noisy lab. Maybe it's okay to be at home, even if your PI can't see you. Uh, and, and maybe that's something that we need to get accustomed to and that, that the pandemic has taught us to deal with. Yeah, I think there was always a little bit of a stigma of working from home or working not in the lab. And I agree, Dan. I hope that is another another stigma that 2020 has erased is that 
people can be productive in different spaces for different types of work. And, you know, I've said this before on the show, but it's funny to me that technology that we're so accustomed to now, like Zoom and video meetings, we we weren't all as comfortable with those prior to now, even though the technology wasn't invented in 2020. So, you know, it's my hope that moving forward, we will continue to see ways we can connect with each other, even if there are far distances between us. You know, we talked to some folks this year about the ability to attend conferences virtually. And while there absolutely are benefits to being physically in the same space with one another, uh, sometimes there are very practical or financial constraints that prevent people from traveling across the world to go to these conferences. But we have the technology to connect people now. And I hope that we hold on to that that familiarity with, with technology to connect with one another after the pandemic is done. Yeah, so important. And and I think we will. We, ha- we have stretched that muscle, uh, built that muscle, not just stretched it. And I, I think that'll be true. Josh, I, it's impossible to ignore during this pandemic how important science is. As this vaccine rolls out in, what is it, eight or nine months after the sequence of the virus was published, which itself was an incredible feat of science, we are now vaccinating people and basically stopping a pandemic as fast as we possibly can and faster than anybody believed was possible. And it is all because of research scientists. And it's not just the ones that were working on it in 2020. It's the ones that were working on it in 1980 that laid the foundation year upon year. And I, I guess all the years in between, not just 1980, but science is is changing the course of history and i just think we we need to pause and recognize how amazing that is it's remarkable dan i mean it's it it really is remarkable and you know science is the answer to this problem that that we have it's vaccine that that's coming out i think dan what it puts into focus for me a little bit is one of the reasons why we do this show is we've said it so many times, but you know, we believe that science is important, not just for solving problems like COVID, but for addressing a lot of the big problems that we face as a society. And f- to do that, we need all hands on deck. We need lots of different people with lots of different ways of thinking to address these really complicated and complex issues. And so what we want to make sure is we're not losing these really amazing people that maybe have hold the keys to solving the next big problem that we face as humanity. But, but you're absolutely right, Dan. Uh, yeah. I think this whole year has reinforced the notion that science is really important. Yeah. The cover of time magazine should just be every scientist. That's, that's the theme for this year for me. And you know, what's so, what's so crazy is, I can't remember if I told the story on, on the show previously, but I can still remember going on a grad school interview uh, years ago in 2002 and meeting with the virologist who studied coronavirus, talking about the fact that he liked coronavirus because it wasn't a very crowded field and you know there really wasn't a lot of interest or, at that time, a really notable disease caused by a, a coronavirus but the fact that that work that for a long time you know didn't have an obvious public health implication associated with it those people 
those scientists and their work were then on the front lines of solving the biggest pandemic of our lifetime. So no matter who you are out there, the work you're doing, you never know. Even if the work maybe day to day, you're pipetting small volumes of liquid into other small volumes of liquid. You never know if the knowledge you're creating might be a piece of the puzzle for solving the next big problem that we face. So true. 2020 was not just the pandemic, Josh, and one of the other, in the United States at least, one of the other things that made news was violence against black people and sort of an awakening in the United States about racism. I know this happens every few years, it feels like, but this year really felt different. And we did what we could to cover the importance of diversity and inclusion and how that would impact research and the graduate school training process. Um, You want to talk about some of your favorite interviews or aspects of that, Josh? Sure, Dan. I think we learned so much from some of the guests that we had on the show this year. Throughout the years we've done this show, there are there, there are thoughts or there are lines that sort of stick with you that you kind of remember and take with you. And, and a few come from, from these topics that we, we discussed this year. Uh, we had Dr. Ashala Freeman on the show. And one of the things she talked about was when we think about academia, we don't necessarily want to fix academia, but we want to reimagine academia because perhaps academia wasn't, wasn't necessarily built for the purpose of being inclusive. And so if we think about making academia a more inclusive place for everyone, maybe fixing it is not the right answer because that's not what it originally was intended to do. Instead, we need to reimagine how it could be in order to uh, make it an inclusive place uh, for everyone. Um, And I really love that. I love that thought of you know what, let's not just think about tweaking it. Let's not just think about moving the pieces around, but let's really reimagine how we want academia to be. And Dan, that's something we love to do here on the show is completely tear We're down. We're not afraid <laughs> to break things. Slaughter the sacred cows and think about ways we can just completely start from scratch and rebuild it from the ground up. Yeah, and I thought uh, you know your interview with Dr. Kenneth Gibbs was so valuable in that in that same theme, because what he talked about was what does it look like if every scientist, every person who shows up in the lab can be, can express him or her full self? What does it look like when you are not a, a person of color pretending to act like the white scientists, but you are a person of color being yourself, being your, your full potential in a research setting. And what does that do to the way we think about scientific problems and solving those problems. It's just a, it's a beautiful picture of what we need to do to, like you said, Josh, stop traveling down this track and kind of patching it, but maybe imagine a whole new track. Yeah. And he really pointed out the fact that we have to, to really achieve equity and inclusion in science. We have to move beyond just bringing people in that's one piece of the puzzle, but creating spaces where people can be fully themselves. And I think that's such a valuable insight that is, is definitely going to stick with me. And, and that's episode 142, if people want to check that out. And I highly recommend people do listen to that interview with, with Dr. Gibbs. Yeah, we will link all of the episodes we're referencing in the show notes. So you can kind of get a breakdown by theme if that's something you're trying to catch up on. And then Dan, sort of the last 
the last thing on this topic was uh, episode 135. We talked a little bit about really becoming an advocate of anti-racism in your academic spaces. And we talked a little bit about some ways that you, as a graduate student, as a postdoc, as a trainee, if someone in that space um, can really work to further these goals of equity and inclusion wherever you are. And, and, you know, the first thing we talked about was to really start with ourselves. We have to learn. I mean, we are academics, we are scientists, and part of being a scientist is if there's something you don't know about, you use your brain to learn about these things. And, you know, we can educate ourselves about things like microaggressions, stereotype threat. You know, we have the tools. <laughs> there are plenty of books and websites and resources um, that we can utilize to really educate ourselves. And then we can move ourselves from just being a bystander in our spaces to being an upstander and, and not just being content with being not racist, but actually being an active force of anti-racism in the spaces where we are. And, you know, one of the things we really tried to do in that episode was to encourage and empower trainees, uh, graduate students, postdocs, undergrads, to look around your own setting you know, is there representation where you are of black and brown faces? Uh, do the Does the makeup of your department look like the makeup of the town where you live? And beyond that, like Dr. Gibbs talked about, um, are the students and the faculty and the other people in the department, are they able to really exist in that space as their full selves? And if not, talk about these things. Bring this up with other trainees who maybe have noticed these things too. Um, but also voice those concerns, voice those observations to leadership and people in positions of leadership in your department or unit. Uh, you really can use your voice as a trainee to be a positive agent for change in your own academic space. So important. And it's not going away. I think that's the maybe surprising, maybe beautiful thing about 2020 and the way that we have been talking about racism and acknowledging it is it doesn't feel like it's fading the way that it maybe has in the past, this this concern, this f attention, the focus. And so, Josh, I hope that in 2021 and in 2027 and whenever, whenever we keep podcasting that we are still um, striving for these goals. And I think our understanding of them will change and maybe we'll be, what, what we expect at the end will be vastly different from what we expect now. But um, I think just continuing to have this conversation publicly is going to be so valuable. And so I look forward to that in the coming years. Another, another interesting theme from this year in podcasting, Josh, I personally got to interview a lot of book authors, which was really fun for me as a person who cares about books and likes books. <laughs> what are you saying, Dan? Am I the person on this show who doesn't care about books? <laughs> no, I, I'm saying that it's something that I... <laughs> You know you don't read, Josh. Come on. <laughs> That's true. You listen to podcasts. No, um, I, I spoke with a personal sort of hero of mine, Marlis Hansen, who wrote a book that helped me move out of a career that I hated and into one that I loved. Um, and that was a very recent one. We don't need to dwell on that. We talked with Dr. Andres de los Reyes, who wrote a, a toolbox. He wrote a book about tools that you can use as an academic and early career researcher for uh, finding your way and being successful in that. And it's, it's such a niche topic, right? Amazing that somebody sat down and wrote a book about how to do well as an academic. 
But the one that really stuck with me, Josh, was my interview with Dr. Mario Livio, who wrote Galileo and the Science Deniers. I mean, this one, you know, it's a history of Galileo, but there are things for us in 2020 to understand and maybe fear and to appreciate. Yeah, Dan, when you first came to me about this interview, I, I may have even said this to you. I was like, does this really fit, Dan, with our show? Books. And- <laughs> Who likes books? Nobody. <laughs> what is this show? Are you a book review show now? What is this all about? It's like all these black splotches on a piece of paper. <laughs> what even is this? But I tell you what, Dan, that interview was fantastic. I, I'm going to give you a Hello PhD Peabody Award for that journalism. I'm the, I'm the Terry Gross of Hello PhD, <laughs> basically. Uh, but, you know, I got so much out of that episode, Dan. I was listening back. I usually do the editing of the show, and I remember I was editing that interview that you had done. It was the first time I'd listened to it, and I just sort of stopped editing. I was so engrossed in what Dr. Livio had to say, and what really struck me was... You know, we did this show. When did we do this show? We did this show in May of this year. So we were really in the thick of quarantine and pandemic life, and labs were just trying to figure out if they could start back up. And, you know, May really was about the time where, at least here in the United States, we transitioned from, oh, wow, we've got to all rally together around this common enemy, the virus, to this sort of political factionism, tribalism, where, oh, well, now we're going, the way we respond or even think about this pandemic um, is through the lens of our own maybe political persuasions. And, and that, was, that was a real defining uh, focus of the United States, of being an American during this pandemic. And the fact that Dr. Livio you know, wrote this account of Galileo facing these science deniers, he wrote this book pre-COVID, but that was all I could think about were the parallels that Galileo faced with maybe the parallels of what maybe Dr. Fauci faced, <laughs> you know, here in, in 2020, trying to educate the public about a COVID and staying safe from a public health perspective. It was just, it was just amazing. It was almost like history was repeating itself. Yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit frightening that it is still so easy to find those parallels. Um, And I think we've seen more of them even recently. You know, if you publish statistics on COVID and you're a government agent, you may be in trouble. If you show up at an event and wear a mask, you may be labeled as a a dissenter and and kicked out of whatever group. So I don't, you know, Galileo faced death um, if he didn't recant his his beliefs and his views. Um, and, And he was a political agent he he tried to modify what he said to not get in trouble and he wrote in such a way that he had plausible deniability and and some of these things still happen but i don't know i feel like it's gotten maybe worse rather than better since i talked with dr livio um but i i still hang on to what he said he said never bet against science and uh, the scientists have been right and that's I'll leave it at that. Well, I highly recommend anyone listening to this episode who uh, did not have a chance to check out episode 133 with Dr. Livio. I highly recommend it. I have to admit, Dan, if I was a, a podcast listener and I saw um, Galileo and the Science Deniers pop up across my feed, I am not a student of history. I might think, ah, give me more of the episodes about my PI sucks or 
uh, imposter syndrome or something like that. <laughs> They're infinite, Josh. Those P.I. Zucks <laughs> episodes are infinite. You can listen to those all day. Yeah, you know, what is this? What does this old guy from hundreds of years ago have to say to me today? But I tell you, that episode absolutely is 100% relevant for what we are all living through today. So I highly recommend that folks check that one out if they haven't already. Well, you know what else is relevant this year, Josh? And what I loved, I think this is the largest number of mailbag episodes we have done in a single year. And that may include the years when we podcasted every week. The number of questions we've gotten over email uh, and Twitter has just been incredible. And I think my favorites this year, you mentioned earlier, were the one uh, we did a two-part episode where Susanna Harris came in. We answered questions together. That was so much fun to just get another voice answering some of these mailbag questions, trying to weigh these impossible life decisions that people send to us. Yeah, we covered a lot of ground, you know, everything from fighting imposter syndrome to dress codes to dealing with comprehensive exams, changing fields, trying to figure out if you want to do medicine or medical research. So many questions. And and Dan, I think we say it every time we do a mailbag, but those are really some of our favorite episodes to do because, you know, we do this show for you, for the people listening. And we're so appreciative of the people who do listen. And that's our main motivation. We want to make, we want to make things better. We want to make your time in grad school as great as it can be. So uh, make grad school great again, or make grad school great for the first time. I don't know what the right <laughs> saying would be. It there. wasn't great for me, Josh. So it ought to be great. It can't be great again. Well, that's it. But like you said, Dan, we got so many of your questions this year, and please keep them coming. Uh, we hope to answer lots more of your questions in 2021. You know, we'll say it here in just a minute at the end of the show, but. Please, if there's something you're going through or something you're dealing with or you just want some support or advice or just someone to listen, uh, shoot us an email, podcast at hellophd.com, or you can tweet to us at hellophd, and we will do our best to, to help you out and talk about it on the show. Okay, now it's time to name names and choose favorites, Josh. Do you have a, a, a favorite one or two episodes from the year? I'm going to be, I'm afraid I'm going to be really narcissistic. Dan. And one of the episodes that I'm really glad we did, I don't know if it was my favorite one. I mentioned, I love that interview you did with Dr. Livio about Galileo, you know, talking to Dr. Gibbs is always a treat. You know, he had so much wisdom for us too, but absolutely. But I really, I really enjoyed episode 141 we did, which was sort of a, a revisit to an episode we did. Geez, I think it was back episode among our first four or five episodes we did where we really laid out in detail why we are doing this podcast. And I've alluded to it a couple of times already in this show today, but we revisited that idea and we talked about, okay, five years later, why are we still doing this? Why are we still podcasting? And it was just so motivating. You know, we're busy fellas, probably busier today than we were back when we were in grad school. We have our jobs and our work. Um, now we have families and children and, and other things we're trying to do, hobbies, interests. But we really do believe in science and we really do. We remember what we went through and we're still as passionate today about helping people get through the process as pain-free as, as possible, uh, but, but to make sure that people know they're not alone because it really can be a very stressful time, a very isolating time 
going through graduate school. Um, and we want to make sure you know you're not alone. And we are as passionate about that today as we were five years ago when we started the show. Yeah, that's a, a good choice. Um, one of my favorites that didn't fit into the prior themes uh, that we laid out was an interview with Vince Deebs, who I, I don't remember how long ago it was, but we asked for people who do field research to write in and tell us about what field research is like. And we got connected with Vince and his research, taking these two-week trips out into uh, Yellowstone to sample the hot water pools and geysers and and the things that he does. The reason this sticks with me, Josh, is just because he told such macabre stories of how people die by getting this wrong. And and just the idea of being in a tent encampment with your PI for a couple of weeks and everybody's smells and you've got to be together for such long periods of time. I don't know. It just captivated my attention to think about what that would be like to try to learn something about nature and about biology uh, in those conditions. Dan, could you imagine camping with your PI for a week? No. <laughs> Did I answer too fast? <laughs> Ask me again and I'll, I'll wait a little longer. <laughs> no, Josh, I can't. <laughs> I'll edit in a pause uh, in between when you Thank answer you. that question. You know, Dan, I think I've said this before, but if I could go back and do it again, I think field research might be something I would do. I think there's just something... You would have loved it, especially if it were on fish or board games. Board games <laughs> in the wild, is you would have been... Is that observing people playing board games? Is that what that is? Sure. The type of work we did, Dan, it was very controlled. We're like in a laboratory setting up these small molecular reactions. Like you really couldn't see. It was not very visual, right? You couldn't really see what was happening. This idea of just going out into the world and observing and trying to learn by really taking in uh, and observing what's happening around you. There's something about that that really resonates with me. So if I could go back and do it again, which I'm not going to do, but if I could, <laughs> I think that's something that I would have enjoyed. If wishes doing. were fishes, Josh, you could do it. <laughs> you know, I almost didn't think about this episode, Dan, because for some reason, you know, this was in 2020, but this was in the pre-COVID part of 2020, which in my mind almost feels like a different year than 2020. It's a different era. But yeah, that was a great one. You know, Dan, just recapping all this, uh, we've covered a lot of ground this year. And, you know, you mentioned earlier on in the show that we had this list that we started uh, at the beginning of the year of topics we wanted to cover. And as we were going through that list before we started recording, we realized that many of the topics we had laid out that we wanted to do, we actually didn't do. And one reason most for that. of the topics we <laughs> wanted to do we didn't do so we got a head start on the list for 2021 episodes but you know one of the things we've always wanted to do is really really react to what's going on um, in the world now and we never would have anticipated in january when we were having that meeting that we would have all these episodes on a pandemic and living through a pandemic we would have honestly never anticipated having this many uh, devoting this many episodes to diversity and inclusion and anti-racism but these are important topics that we will um, continue to address. And it's been an interesting year, Dan, and would probably be remiss without saying in the five now, almost five and a half years we've done this podcast, another big change. We had recorded every episode of this show together face-to-face -face, uh, in the same studio, uh, but this year brought the changes of eight months of episodes where you are at your house, I'm at my house, we're doing this over Zoom. It's functional. FaceTime to FaceTime. FaceTime to FaceTime. Uh, but Dan, I have to say, I miss 
getting together and having a beer with you in person. Cause I think if there's something that we do miss from these zoom meetings is, you know, we're very much task at hand, right? We get on our zoom meeting, whatever the topic is, we kind of get right down to business, um, which can be good, but there's none of that sort of interpersonal, uh, interaction after the fact, right? The chit chat, like, how's your family? How you doing? What, what movies have you seen? There's no time for that, Josh. <laughs> you gotta hurry before the kids wake up and run into my office. <laughs> it's true, uh, but I can say, Dan, twenty twenty one. I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully having you back here in the home studio sometime soon. Yeah, and and we can thank scientists for that opportunity because without everybody listening, it would be twenty twenty seven before it was safe to do that, and so. I guess we'll close it with a thank you to everybody that listens, that works day to day to make our lives better and just appreciate so much what what everybody is doing in the lab. A career that I could not personally sustain, but that I know the value of and I know the challenge and the heartache and the joy and the discovery. Um, and I just, I'm, I'm so thankful for everybody out there listening that is still doing that and making it possible for us in 2021, Josh, to get vaccines and to be back together and go on with our lives. It's amazing. Here, here. Yes. Thank you. Well, as we mentioned, if you have a question or a topic idea, we would love to hear it. Email us podcast at hellophd.com or send us a tweet at hellophd. If you like the show, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We love getting your feedback. And if you'd like to support the show, you can become a patron. Simply go to our website, hellophd.com, click the Become a Patron button, or you can visit patreon.com slash hellophd. We would appreciate the beer money, and thank you so much to the ongoing support from all of our patrons. Dan, I guess we are closing the book on 2020. None too soon. With that, I guess I will say to you, I'll see you next year. See you next year, Josh. Josh.